welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. My name is Colin Loretz, and today we are talking about personal finance during the coronavirus. The date for today is April 22nd, and I think that's important just to note because some of the things that we're going to talk about today are not as relevant in the future. Uh, Some of them are going to be things that have already come to pass. Um, If you're listening to this in the future, it may not even necessarily be that we're dealing with the coronavirus anymore, fingers crossed. What I want to do today is break down some of the basics in personal finance. I wanted to go back to, you know, the things that we should already be doing, um, the things that we probably wish we were doing before this happened, uh, and really just take a new stock in terms of what's going on in terms of our income, spending, debt, saving, investing, and so forth. Um, But there's also a bunch of opportunities that I want to talk about in the second half of this episode that have to do with government assistance and things that you can do if your income has been affected, if your business has been affected, uh, so that we can all weather this together. So I understand there is an immense amount of uncertainty around money right now. There's an immense uh, just uncertainty around when this is going to end, when we have to stop, you know, sheltering in place, um, self-isolating, all of these different things. Um, It's definitely a new thing for all of us, right? This uh, could end up becoming a full-blown recession just given the amount of unemployment that's happening right now. But all signs are already pointing to the fact that this is very different than the recession that happened in 2008-2009. So the first area I want to talk about is income. And this really depends on whether or not you're actually still working right now. Uh, A lot of people are being able to work from home right now, but that is something that not every job allows for. Uh, You know, for software developers and designers and writers and creative people, uh, knowledge workers, most of those people are going to be able to work from home. But if you have a job that is, um, you know, at a store or has been deemed as one of the essential services, um, you're probably still going into a workspace. Um, The nice thing is that you still have income there, but you are put on the front lines in terms of being uh, at risk of exposure. Uh, You are probably not getting necessarily paid more for that. um, But there's some trade offs there. you're still able to work. And I know a lot of people are grateful for their jobs right now. Uh, I hope that you're staying safe and and that you're um, being taken care of at those companies. And the flip side of this is if you lost your job. So right now, unemployment is the highest it's ever been. Uh, We've lost so many jobs just because the fact that most businesses can't be open right now. And so Um, I would say that if you find yourself unemployed right now that you should apply for unemployment, definitely pursue that. Um, I'm going to take a little sidebar here and talk about unemployment for a second before we get into these other personal finance categories, but you should not feel bad about applying for unemployment. That is what it's there for. Um, and I'm, there's some new things with unemployment that I think are worth mentioning. Um, whatever your usual unemployment amount would have been, um, will also include an additional $600 a week. Um, and unemployment is now for 14 weeks. Uh, they removed a bunch of the requirements from unemployment as well. So like you don't have to be proving, uh, that you're searching for a new job, uh, and so forth. So, With this, what I would do is I would check with your state. Uh, If you're in Nevada, our unemployment system has been overwhelmed. Uh, People are calling in daily and essentially like DDoSing the service. So, so many people are trying to get in. So many people are trying to call that no one's really able to get through. 
Uh, and right now our system really is only set up for uh, traditional unemployment. Now, under the pandemic unemployment assistance uh, program, they have enacted from the federal government, there is now the ability for freelancers, uh, gig workers, self-employed folks to apply for unemployment. This is historic in that this is new. This is not something that freelancers and gig workers were able to do before. So if this is you, definitely check with your state. Um, you know, even if you're capable of working from home, some freelancers and self-employed people find that their work is still reduced to absolute zero that, you know, maybe in some cases your business is one that doesn't allow you to work from home. And so going to zero doesn't mean that you shouldn't be entitled to unemployment as well. Uh, and so in Nevada, the rumor has this won't be available until mid May. Um, but definitely check on that focus, you know, check it every day if you have to, um, it could be as early as early May. Um, but a lot of things have been pointing to mid May on that. So, um, it's definitely an opportunity to look into if you find, you know, that your business was upended overnight. Um, so definitely look into that. Uh, again, I mentioned, you know, working from home, if you have the privilege of being able to do that, we'll definitely talk about more on, you know, what that looks like working from home, working from a pandemic, uh, and some things to consider to, um, in just in general, in terms of how to be a good remote worker, and some things to consider with that income that you have. The next section I want to talk about is spending. You're probably spending a lot less than you're used to, uh, unless you're doing a lot of online shopping or a lot of hoarding, which is kind of frowned upon and not really suggested. There's no evidence that the food supply will necessarily be affected. Um, obviously, toilet paper and things like that have been affected, but mostly because they're just really large items and they weren't expecting such an influx and a lot of people are just buying as much as they can. So it makes sense to buy you know, for two, three weeks at a time if you can. Um, again, that's kind of a luxury though. So if you're able to afford that and you're able to put that uh, at home, then definitely do so. Um, but if your spending is already lower than usual, what I would recommend here is to just take stock of all the expenses that you have, the ongoing things that you're paying for and really assess what they're for. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean to reduce everything to zero, um, but it does mean maybe that you're not subscribed to every single streaming service that's out there. Uh, I know we're working from home, we're quarantined at home, but you can't watch all of those at once. So, you know, be smart about this. Think about what you're spending your money on. And what I like to think about here is Ramit Sethi's uh, money dials, which is he recommends that you turn up the dials that you really care about and ruthlessly turn down the dials on things that you don't care about. So right now, a lot of us are spending money on food. And for me personally, I'm spending money on good quality food, focused on my health, um, just because we're working from home and quarantined from home, I don't necessarily want my health to suffer. Um, and so I'm spending money on good food there. We're not spending money on going out to eat as much, but we have some caveats there where I am continuing to spend money uh, to support local businesses. And so this is another good thing that you can do if you are still working and still making money right now is to support local businesses um, that are offering services. A lot of them have reinvented their business model overnight. So if they're doing curbside pickup, if they're doing online deliveries, uh, if they're even just selling gift cards, uh, and maybe you can use those after this is over, then definitely consider doing that because a lot of those businesses uh, just like yourself have found themselves in the situation where they 
didn't necessarily have time to plan for it. Um, we'll definitely be talking about how and what we might do to plan for something like this in the future. Um, but then the other part of this is to focus on taking some of that money that you used to be spending and building up an emergency fund, which we're going to talk about in a second. So to kind of reiterate here is just really take a good look at your spending, figure out where your money has been going. Um, what does that look like in this? Uh, I'm not going to say new normal, but in the world that we're living in right now. Uh, and if you are able to continue to support those local businesses that you want to see in this world, because supporting them means that they're going to be able to reopen after this is over. And that's super important. Uh, if you have any debt for this next section, what I want to encourage you to do is to look at the possibilities of refinancing or renegotiating any of your debts. Uh, this could be, um, mortgages, this could be car payments, this could be credit cards. Uh, I called all my credit card companies and my specific situations do not uh, make me eligible for a lot of options with them, um, which I'm fine with. I'm still uh, paying them and we'll do an update episode soon on just my new numbers. But the every credit card company does have a page you can go to that has essentially like coronavirus FAQs. Um, they have, many of them have programs. Like I think it was Amex that had a very specific program on things that they could do as far as delaying your payments without affecting your credit score and things like that. So if this is you definitely look at what options are available. Think about this because this is where some of your spending is going to be going to paying some of these debts back and, you know, having to meet these commitments. After looking at debt, we're going to talk about saving and investing. So I mentioned above the emergency fund. Um, obviously, this is something that you right now probably wish you had. If you don't have one right now, it's something that you could still start to work on, uh, essentially building an emergency fund during an emergency. Um, there's a really good episode from Paula Pant on the Afford Anything podcast on how to build an emergency fund during an emergency, which I'll link to in the show notes. Um, but what I think is also important here is just to really start to think about if you are still getting paid right now, building up a fund that you do not touch. Um, obviously, every personal finance person on the planet has always said have an emergency fund and most people do not have one or if they do, it's not big enough. And so, you know, I'll be honest right now, I have one and it's not as big as I would like it to be, um, but I am paying off my credit cards more aggressively uh, and I'm choosing to sacrifice some of my emergency fund in order to get rid of those credit cards faster. Um, we'll talk about what that means and what that looks like in a future episode when I do an update on my numbers. But, you know, I still have an emergency fund and it's sufficiently large that I feel comfortable um, pushing forward on paying those credit card companies off. Um, I will also say this is the first time I've ever had an emergency fund. Um, like I said, it's something that everyone recommends. It sounds great on paper, but like when times are good, people start to tap that fund because it feels like it's not needed and it just is sitting over there. So let's put it to work. These are the times that we need that fund. Uh, if you do find that your income has been uh, compromised in any way, whether you maybe you're a freelancer and you've lost a client or two, this isn't one of those emergencies. Like this is the time to use that emergency fund. Uh, I think there's also a lot of guilt for people who have successfully built an emergency fund where they don't necessarily have a clearly defined line in terms of what they 
what qualifies as a, as an event that they can use to actually tap into that fund. Um, you don't want to use it too much, right. In terms of like taking money out of it and then putting it back, um, here and there, but using it for true emergencies. Now, the other type of fund that, uh, Tanya Hester recommends is a life happens fund. So this is a fund that is a separate from the emergency fund for all the things that you can foresee happening. These are things not like the coronavirus that you know are going to come due, right? If you have a house and you plan on repainting it or re-roofing it, those are things that you know will happen in the future. So being able to start to save and put aside money for those things so that when they do happen, you have some plan around that. Um, This might be a good time if you already have a really good emergency fund to start to think about what things can you put aside money for and have these buckets so that you can spend from each of those plans as they happen. So that's kind of all I'm going to stop. That's that's kind of all I'm going to dwell on for savings right now. Uh, It's one of those things that doesn't feel like it's useful in the moment, but you know, a little bit every day, every week, every month, every paycheck, whatever it might be, uh, starts to add up over time and and it, it becomes really important. So next up is investing. So I'm going to actually draw on some recommendations from Tanya Hester again here. I'll link to her um, posts from Instagram here as well. Um, The first thing is do not try to time the markets. I know it's super uh, enticing right now to think about how you might be able to buy low and ride some of these, uh, you know, stocks and opportunities. Um, But really investing consistently over time Uh, no matter what the markets are doing, is more important than trying to time the markets because uh, no matter who you are, you're going to get it wrong. Uh, And this this dollar cost averaging, which we'll talk about more in a future episode, this consistent investing over time is what helps uh, have long-term effects. So definitely think long-term. Only invest money that you don't need anytime soon. And really try not to pay attention to all these short-term fluctuations because right now, because there's so much uncertainty, you have these ups and downs and ups and downs literally every day or every other day that you really need to just not pay attention to. Put that money aside, invest consistently, and wait for the long-term benefits of that. Um, so that, that's going to cover it for investing. This is not one that I'm actively doing. I do have a retirement account, an IRA, uh, that I'm continuing to contribute to, but other than that, I am focused on getting out of debt. So the investing one is one that, uh, I would recommend you check out other podcasts, other resources for, with all that said, I think it's important to jump into what options we now have from uh, government assistance. Uh, So the first one is something that is applicable to most people, and that is the stimulus check. So right now, there are some exceptions and some uh, stipulations around this, but most people uh, have been eligible for a $1,200 check that is coming from um, the Treasury. Uh, This is something that comes tax-free. It's a a, a tax credit uh, from the future, basically. Uh, that does not mean it comes from the future uh, tax refund or anything like that. It just means that it will show up on your next year's tax return as a earned tax credit. But the interesting thing here is there are some rules around uh, the amount that you get if you're a joint filer, if you have kids, there's extra money there per kid, uh, including head of household. There is a bunch of numbers around, uh, I believe it's 
uh, over $99,000 and your check amount will be zero. Uh, if it's over $75,000, then you actually, um, it ladders up where you basically have a smaller amount of every, for every hundred dollars that you make over $75,000. So, uh, most people who have direct deposit with the IRS have already received these, uh, other people like myself, have not received these yet. Um, There's a lot of people who are waiting on physical checks. I haven't had a tax refund from the IRS in a long time, so I don't think that they have my direct deposit. Um, But that's something that, uh, again, is going to be up in the air for most people. Now, this next one is something that hasn't happened yet, and I want to just preface this with the fact that this very well could not happen. Uh, And there is this act right now that is moving around between uh, the House and Senate around, it's called the Emergency Money for the People Act. If this gets passed and if this gets signed, it could potentially uh, give everybody $2,000 a month per uh, per person or $4,000 joint uh, for joint filers with more per child for six months. Now, this could potentially be longer if the unemployment rate stays extremely high. Uh, I don't know what the number is on the top of my head right now, but there is a number where they could say that, you know, if it continues to be over a certain number past that six months that they would continue to make those payments. This has not been approved. It also is not something that is widely known about right now. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. It's something I'm watching um, because I do think that the longer this goes on, a $1,200 check is really going to be a really small bandaid for what is happening. Granted, if you are unemployed, this is in addition to your unemployment. If you have uh, the ability to work from home, you're still going to get your stimulus as well as long as you meet the income requirements and so forth. So that kind of takes care of individual stimulus. Now, there are two programs that had a lot of complexity and confusion around them that are for businesses. So I want to quickly cover these. Uh, if you're not a business, I would say you can skip forward to the end. Uh, you've, you've heard the, the, the spiel before. Uh, you know, Like and subscribe. Find us in your favorite podcast app and, and give us a review if, it, if it's uh, been useful for you. But uh, if you want to c- continue listening and you are a business, What I want to talk about next are these two programs specifically geared towards employers and small businesses. This does include self-employed gig workers and uh, just, you know, in general freelancers, self-employed people, uh, but it's not exactly transparent. So there's two systems. The first one that came out was the IDLE, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. This is a program from the SBA and it has been around for a really long time. This is a program that they use for distributing money in disasters. Um, The SBA has essentially deemed every business as having been economically injured. And so every business is potentially eligible for one of these loans. Now, these loans are up to $2 million, um, a really low interest rate um, between 3.75 and 4%. Uh, And they did have an advance of $1,000 per employee up to $10,000 for essentially getting $10,000 into the hands of businesses quickly while their application was being processed. To this day, there have not been a large number of idols approved. The number of dollars approved has been quite high. Um, But like looking at the stats for Nevada, um, the numbers were, it was like under a thousand loans had been approved it's still very much up in the air in terms of like what they're using as uh in terms of like 
qualifications for who's getting this, who's not getting this. A lot of really larger companies uh, have received this already. Um, So there is a lot of just not a lot of transparency, a lot of confusion, a lot of guidelines that keep getting changed at the last minute. Uh, And as of right now, they're not taking any new applications. So something to watch if this applies to you, if you are a business and think that you might be eligible for this, um, definitely keep keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it and update you if, if something changes. Um, I've applied for this with my business, uh, with the Arena Collective co-working space, and we have not received a single confirmation email, uh, any advance whatsoever. So that one right now is a black box, and we just continue to wait on that one. Now, the next program has a little bit more transparency if you're working with a fintech um, company, something like uh, Lendio, PayPal, uh, Square, things like that. Now, what this P- the, the Paycheck Protection Plan, otherwise known as the PPP, is a way of ensuring that companies can keep their payroll. So essentially what the loan is, is two and a half times your monthly average payroll. And 100% of it is forgiven if used on payroll, rent, utilities, and mortgage interest. Now, there is also a forgiven amount on the idle. Um, and that's up to $10,000 forgiven. And if you get the PPP with the idle, they get, you know, kind of merged into one or something like that. So again, we don't have an idle. The details are super vague on that. Um, but the PPP was really a big cluster, uh, in terms of rollout, uh, the guidelines for this, they were supposed to come out on a specific Friday. I think it was April, uh, 3rd. And when they did, Banks had literally received uh, guidelines the night before or changes. And so a lot of banks were allowing people to opt into being notified about the PPP, but they didn't actually have the system in place for processing these. And so, you know, big banks, which I'm not afraid to name here, things like Wells Fargo, Chase, um, a lot of these banks just did not have the infrastructure to handle the sheer number of people applying for the PPP. Wells Fargo had their own issues that I'll link to in the show notes um, just with they had their um, they had the total loan amount that they're allowed to, to to disperse capped based on their past uh, hand slaps that they've had for things that Wells Fargo has done. So this isn't a bash on Wells Fargo podcast, but um, essentially we got zero guidance on this from from Wells Fargo. Instead, we decided to apply through a company called Lendio, uh, which actually matches us with uh, a lender, and so. We the process was a delight. It was very easy to do. Um, there was a lot of waiting. We actually got approved on the day that the funds ran out, and so essentially, I don't know what that means for our status, but um, the PPP had a bunch of money behind it. Uh, I can't recall the number, but it was in the two hundred fifty billion dollar range, and. In all of that, it was exhausted extremely quickly. Uh, the week following the PPP rollout is when uh, freelancers, uh, self-employed, and gig workers could also apply for the PPP. So for many of us who had a more of a traditional business, like, like in our case, we have uh, one employee, we were able to apply for that on April 3rd uh, and have a full seven days head start on you focusing on that fund. Uh, and everyone who applied on April 10th, uh, the funds were exhausted, I believe by the 14th or something like that. So again, that's already been like 10 days, uh, 10 days, almost 10 days ago. Um, 
time's getting weird, days are getting weird. But essentially here, a lot of people have received the PPP. Uh, I know businesses who have received this, but the funds just disappeared so quickly. Uh, there's a lot of criticism around this because really large companies, publicly traded companies, uh, companies like um, famously, I think it's Shake Shack, uh, received like $10 million in the PPP. And they are the most known about this right now because they actually gave theirs back. Uh, I don't know what that looks like to give it back in terms of how that goes back into the pot and so forth. But, you know, they received a lot of criticism over getting this. Um, and it, it's interesting because that money has to be used on payroll to pay their employees or it's not forgiven. Um, but a lot of this money did not reach these companies of, you know, one, two, three, four, five people. Um, they let's say, appeared to hit companies that had closer to the $500, the 500 employee limit, which I think a lot of people also criticize a 500 person business as not being quote unquote, a small business. So, you know, in some cases, yes, you know, 500 person business is much smaller than Amazon, Facebook, Google. Uh, but they desperately need bailing out at the lower level of this, you know, one to 10 employee business side of things. And so, uh, again, we applied for this. It was really great. We also applied through PayPal. Um, Wells Fargo was encouraging us to pay, to apply as many places as we can just to only accept one of them. Granted, we could not apply through Wells Fargo until the 11th hour. And by the time we were able to, the funds were already exhausted. So, you know, they kept telling us that we were in line. We were in line. We were getting an email from them. And I don't fully believe that there was even a line necessarily. I believe that the system was not done. So that's the PPP and the idle. Very messy. Um, but if you're a business owner, definitely worth pursuing these things. Uh, the PPP is supposed to be uh, getting refunded. Uh, so there is a bill going around right now. It still hasn't been signed that would allow for the PPP to be replenished. Uh, this would be, again, another 200 to $300 billion um, with a little bit more oversight in terms of the qualifications and eligibility. So hopefully we'll see that. But uh, I think that'll do it. I think I've been uh, talking at you for a little bit here. And there's just so much to unpack around all of this right now. And so I hope you are all doing well. Uh, thank you for sticking around if you wanted to listen to the business specifics there. Um, and as always, uh, definitely reach out if you have any questions, if you need any help, uh, how you spend at gmail.com or how you spend on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that we're going to be able to get into in terms of what um, this new how you spend your days looks like, right? How you spend your days is how you spend your life. And I'm excited to dive into that and just explore what this all looks like. Um, we're not going to be going back to the way things were necessarily completely. Um, I think there are some things that I'd rather us not go back to. I think there's some things that we need to fix. There's some things that we need to reexamine. And I think that will all make uh, make it so that we can prevent things like this in the future, uh, to plan for them, to prepare for them. Uh, and this goes from our households all the way up to the federal government being able to be uh, ready to mobilize and, and solve these types of things, whether it's you know for yourself, for your community, for your business or for your city state and so forth. So thank you. And we will see you next week. Bye.
Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. 